We're going to look at Acts chapter 14. If you have your Bibles or your journals with you, you can turn to Acts chapter 14. As you turn there, and before we get into Acts 14, I want to ask, has anybody ever played the game catchphrase or charades? Uh, These two are a really fun game with catchphrase. It's a little bit newer, but a word appears on the screen and you have to use words to describe that word, but you're really not supposed to use hand gestures. And it's a little challenging because the only word you can think of is the word on the screen. Like, like how do I describe this word that I can't get out of my head when I wanna just use that word, but I can't. And so, but you're trying to use words. And the other funny thing about this game is like, people are trying to guess what that word is and there's multiple people in the room, and it's like, people will guess frog, and you shake your head, so then they yell it louder, frog! (laughs) Frog, did you hear me? It's like, I heard you the first time, it's not frog, like it's some other green thing that I'm trying to describe what it is. Uh, But then you got charades, and charades is the exact opposite, right? You cannot use words, you're only supposed to act it out. And as things get challenging and uh, it's like, sometimes you're so uncomfortable trying to act out the word and the more they can't get it, the more frustrated you get. And then, so then you try to mouth the word to them. Like, you know, you're not supposed to talk, but you just try to mouth it to them. And uh, in the Hartley family, you're good if you have Joanna on your team because Joanna is hard of hearing and she reads people's lips. So it's a real advantage when you have Joanna, you just mouth it to her, she guesses it and then you can move on. It's a good thing. (laughs) In one of these games, you can't use words and in the other one, you can't use action. Communication is best when you can talk and use your hands and do demonstration Jesus did the same thing. In Jesus's ministry, you can track his ministry. He used his mouth and he proclaimed and then he used his hands and he demonstrated. He not only taught truth, but he acted in the truth and he loved people. And really you see, I mean, it says that the kingdom of God is at hand when you preach and declare And then when healings happen and there's deliverances. And Jesus walked in these two ways. He taught, he opened up his mouth, he did incredible teachings. People marveled at the authority in which he taught. They said, he's just a carpenter from Nazareth. How can he teach so well? But people marveled at him. And then he did miracles like He was walking on water. He fed 5,000. And then he healed the sick. He was was doing lots of healings, healing crippled people, raising the dead. And then he not only acted in those two areas, it says that he sent his disciples out and they too preached the gospel and they did signs and wonders and miracles and they casted out demons. These are the, this is the work of Jesus and his disciples, but they didn't just do it while Jesus was there. When Jesus ascended into heaven, 
the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. And throughout all of Acts, you can track it. The disciples are preaching. They're using their mouth. They're speaking words. And then they're demonstrating the gospel. There's healings going on. There's deliverances going on. And there's miracles. And we see that in Acts chapter 14. You can see that throughout Acts chapter 14. And just to recap where we're at. Acts 13, you had five uh, people that gathered in Antioch. They heard God say, they were fasting and praying. They heard God say, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas set sail out of Antioch, which is like north of Jerusalem. And they set sail across the sea and they land on an island called Cyprus. And it's in Cyprus, Acts 13, where that guy goes blind. That's demonstration, that's power, that's God's work. The guy goes blind, but then through that, the governor of Cyprus, the governor of that island, comes to Jesus. And then it says that they set sail, and they go north, and they go to uh, Perga, and then they go on to a different Antioch. This isn't the Antioch where they came from. This is a different Antioch, and it's there that they, he preaches again. He uses the Bible, and many people believe, but then there's some people who stir up trouble. Verse 45 of Acts 13, the Jews were filled with jealousy, and they began to contradict what Paul had said. And then at the end, verse 51, they sense God leading them on, and so they leave Antioch, and they go to Iconium. They go on another trip to Iconium, but before they leave, verse 51 of Acts 13, it says that they shook off the dust from their feet against them, and they went on to Iconium. This is so important. Now, when they're saying this, it's not saying that they cursed Iconium, and I'm going to prove it. It's definitely not saying that because that he loves Iconium. What he's saying is move on from your troubles. Don't let past circumstances interpret or cloud your vision from present or future circumstances that you will have. And so they dust it off. They dust off the people pleasing. All of us like it when people like us, right? I mean, I think we can all say life's better when people like us. But they are dusting it off and they're saying, even though people don't like us, we're going to go on to Iconium. And so they go to a new city, and this is in Iconium. And it says that they entered into the Jewish synagogue and they spoke in such a way that a great number of Jews and Greeks believe. You can circle the word spoke. Here they are using their words. They're opening up their mouth. They are articulating the gospel. There's a phrase out there. It says, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. I see a number of you shaking your heads. That's a good thing. Uh, it is necessary to use words, not if necessary. And I get where they're coming from. They're saying, you don't want to just talk about Jesus. You you don't want your actions to contradict your words. I understand that. Yes, be loving, be kind. But people, we have to open up our mouths. We have to speak. 
If Jesus had to speak, so too we have to speak. So they spoke in such a way, and it says, a great number. Who knows how many? Uh, in Acts 2, there were 3,000, but here could be 5,000, 10,000. We don't know. But then verse 2, it says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. This is so important for us to realize today in our culture. When you preach the good news of Jesus Christ, people will respond in one or two ways. They will either believe, in which it says a great number believed, or they will totally be against it, and they will stir up others to be against you. This is contradictory to our culture, contradictory to our human nature. We like it when other people like us. We like it when we receive a positive response. Here, there were some who believed and some who didn't believe. And we're almost taught, just be nice to everybody. Just be nice. And we take the truth and we cover up our mouths and we don't speak the truth in the message of nice. It's true. I, I have, I'm in a doctoral program and my uh, thesis, my doctoral program, uh, my dissertation is on how we go 3,000 homes and knock on our 3,000 homes around here. And I tell my colleagues in the program, pastors, professors, and they say, wow, good for you. You go out 12 times a year. And I say, yeah, I wish we did it more. Why do we go out 12 times a year? And in fact, this year, Sean was, uh, <laughs> Sean got the vision. He said, we're not doing this enough. And so all summer long, I think we went out 12 times over the summer. So we're up to maybe 20 times. Why do we do it? Because there is only one God and his son is Jesus Christ. And all people are born in this world as sinful people. And there's separation between them and the living, eternal God. And they are in sin. And, they, and they're broken. They've got pain. And Jesus is the only answer to their pain. Jesus is their only answer to the separation. They have other ideas of who God is because we all need a God. And so you conceptualize a God, but we alone have the one true God. And so we go and we bring the truth of Jesus Christ. Well, I tell them that and they say, oh, you do confrontational evangelism. <laughs> and I, I want to rephrase that. Sure, there is confrontation, but we can't really, we're not in control of people's response. All we're called to do is to bring it. I want to say it's direct evangelism, not confrontational. It's direct. We just tell it like it is. We say the truth that Jesus alone, and then we allow the response to be whatever it is. We can't control that. So they, 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 there are this, and there's this stirring up against the brothers. And then this phrase is awesome in verse 3. 
It says, so they remained for a long time. Circle the word long time. Now, if I'm Paul and Barnabas and I'm seeing that there's people that aren't liking me, that people are coming against me, I'm getting out of there. It's like, okay, uh, God calling me to the next city. I think I'm ready to go uh, on in my journey. But they stayed there a long time. Who knows how long they spent, but they're staying there. And what do they do? It says that they speak boldly for the Lord. They didn't put a, put a duct tape over their mouth. They weren't silent. They were speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the, what? The words of grace. They weren't speaking harsh things. They weren't speaking condemnation. They weren't shaking their finger at these people. They spoke words of grace, words of life. And this is the message that we have to share, that no matter how bad people are, God is greater and is more loving than their bad behaviors. No matter what pain they are in, God can heal any pain that they have. These are the words of grace that we get to go door to door and share to people. That's why we go, because we have words of grace. But it wasn't just with words that they were there. It says that they were granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Hallelujah. Uh, So they spoke, but then there was action. And it doesn't say how many signs and wonders. It just says that there was a great number. So there were some miracles going on. And our God is a miracle-working God. He didn't just do miracles when Jesus was alive. He does miracles in and through us today. And that's why I love this book that's uh, created, The Red Hot Answers to Prayer. Um, Me and my family, we've been praying for four. We wrote down four in here at the beginning of the week. Hannah and I are praying All four of those have all been partially answered. So we've half circled all four of them. And one of them is completely answered. Uh, The one was my son, Joel. He was waking up at 4 a.m. Like it was last Sunday, 4 a.m. Wake up call. uh, So hard. Praying, God, please help him sleep. Well, uh, Friday, he sleeps till 6.30. Saturday, he sleeps till 7. Today, I don't know what time he woke up, but when I left the house at 6, he was still sleeping. So uh, I'm claiming that one. I'm circling that one. God does miracles. I got permission from uh, Liz's husband to share another miracle. Liz and her family are here, but her husband works for a company, and it's it's a global company, lots of different locations, but he's in Texas. He doesn't want to be in Texas. He wants to be with his family. He calls me last week. He says, Stephen is tearing up. I'm without hope. I don't know what to do. They tell me that I can't get a job here in Atlanta. I said, well, let's pray. We prayed on the phone. It wasn't a special prayer. We prayed. We hung up. 30 minutes later, I get a call. Stephen, there's hope. There's a possibility that I could move to Atlanta. Said, okay, a possibility. We're going to keep praying on this. Friday, I get a call. Stephen, you're not going to believe this. 
with the same company that not only offered me one job, but two jobs. And the second job is a promotion. God does miracles. One of the ones that we're praying in here, there's a partial miracle, but there's a boy from Providence School that my daughter goes to. He was hit by a car, went to a coma. Uh, they thought he wasn't going to live. He's still kind of in a, a, in a induced coma, but Friday he started opening up his eyes. It's a miracle that he's even alive. God does miracles today. He not only wants us to tell, but he wants to demonstrate. I really believe that God wants to activate signs and wonders to be done by what? It says their hands. Yes, use your mouth and your hands, all for the glory of God. But then in verse 4, it says that the people in the city were divided. Again, people will respond positively. Some people, a lot of people, the majority of people may respond negatively. We cannot control that. Our purpose is only to tell and to witness so they were divided. Some people sided with them. Some people sided with the Jews. And then it says, verse 5, there's an attempt to be on them. They learned of it, so they fled to Lystra. This is not a fearful fleeing. This is a wisdom. We as people are called to exercise caution. Caution is not a bad thing. If you're sick, go to the doctor. Uh, it's not a bad thing. So they flee and they go to Lystra. Verse seven, it says that they continued to circle the word preach. There they are preaching, they're telling, they're continuing. Now, if I'm uh, Paul, I'm like, man, I got in trouble last time I preached. I'm leaving because I was about to get stoned. Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. But he continues to preach. Verse eight, it says that he goes to Lystra. And here you get this ex explanation of what happens in Lystra. Verse 8, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. Underline the words, he was crippled from birth and had never walked. This is a guy, he didn't just twist his ankle and limping around. This is a guy who has, nobody had ever seen the guy walk. So his legs are skinny. His legs are frail. He has never walked before. And then it says that he was listening to Paul. What? Speaking. He's preaching. There's Paul using his mouth again. And this guy's listening. And then Paul sees that he had faith to be well. So this guy who's crippled, he must be leaning in. He must be smiling. He must be saying, amen, amen. Something, something shows Paul that this man has faith. And so Paul stands up with a loud voice and he says, stand upright on your feet. I love that. Simple, short prayer. Nothing magical. Paul's not like this awesome, elaborate prayer that prays long, short phrase, stand on your feet. And the guy says, spring up and began to walk. I love that. He sprung up. This wasn't a guy who started limping around, wobbly. He is springing up, and he's walking. Hallelujah. Come on, church. This is exciting. This guy springs up on their feet. Then you get this surprising reaction 
from people that were watching. Verse 11, it says that they saw what Paul had done and they start speaking in Lyconian, which is a language that Paul and Barnabas don't understand. But then they say these words, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. They call Barnabas Zeus and they call Paul Hermes. Greek mythology, if you've seen that, this, he's speaking to the Greeks. They think that Paul is Hermes because he's the speaker. I guess uh, Barnabas must have had white hair and looked a little older, says so like, oh, this must be Zeus. So then they start offering sacrifices to him. They start uh, treating them like they are gods. Paul and Barnabas see the sacrifices and they start tearing their clothing. And the tearing of their clothing is a demonstration saying, no, stop it. I resist what you are doing. Don't give praise to me. And then he says, he opens up his mouth and he says, men, why are you doing these things? Underline the words, we also are men of like nature with you. And then he says this, we bring you good news. There it is, opening up your mouth. This is what you tell. You tell the good news. And what is this? What is this good news? Turn from your vain things. Repent. And he says, come to a living God. The God, and it goes on to explain, the God who created the sun and the moon and the stars. He created me. He's saying, don't worship the created, worship the creator. Two things here. One, people do not make good gods. Don't worship people. And oh, we're so good at this. We, uh, we worship athletes, politicians, musicians. We even have a show called American Idol. Even preachers. It's like you got these celebrity preachers. I feel bad for celebrities because people are not meant to be worshipped. People are not... We, I am just like you. I struggle. Just like, I have the same marriage issues. Emily's awesome. I love her. But we're not a perfect marriage. I'm just like you. God is the only one to be worshipped. Number two, we do not have the, we do not determine who is God or what is God. God alone determines what his nature is like and he has communicated who he is in this book right here. We don't determine did you know that everybody has a theology? Every single person, theology is, a, is, a, is an articulation, it's a study of God. It's not whether or not you have a theology, it's just if you have an accurate theology. We don't get to determine what God is like or what the God is called or by who we go to God. God alone determines that. That's why we have the Bible over us. 
and not us over the Bible inspecting it. No, God alone interprets your theology and should describe. And so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to God except through him. By no one else does, do people go to heaven, have relationship with God, but through his son, Jesus Christ. That alone, and so Paul and Barnabas say, worship the creator and not the created. And then verse 18, even with these words, this is amazing, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifices. So Paul and Barnabas were trying, they were trying their best, but people still offered sacrifices. It shows it takes a lot for people to go from their own view of what God is like to coming in alignment with the kingdom of God. People like, they like creating their own God because they are in control. When you, they don't like Christianity because it says, no, we are not in control. God alone is in control and he alone determines who he is. We like being God. And so people have a hard time. So church, when you tell people and they resist and they continue to resist, continue talking to them. If your neighbor resists, well, Paul and Barnabas were resisted too. Keep going, keep talking to them, keep explaining the gospel. Well, then it says in verse 19, this is still in Lystra. It says, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. They traveled 50 miles, and it says that they persuaded the crowds to come against Paul, and it says that they stoned Paul. They picked up big rocks, and they hurled them on Paul, and Paul got beaten his head, his body, his ankles, so much so that Paul was lying on the ground. And they took Paul's body by the hands and feet, drug him out, and put him in the place where you leave dead people. This guy was left for dead. Now, church, hardships and tribulation does not mean the absence of the kingdom. Amen. Quite the opposite. Hardships and persecution are evidence of the kingdom. As followers of Jesus, and I need this so much, I am not promised a cushy, comfy life lots of money people liking me never have a sickness that does not that is not evidence of the kingdom Amen. it's the opposite hardships will come Jesus said it in this world you will have trouble you will have hardships. That does not show that the kingdom of God is not there. No, quite the opposite. It shows that the kingdom of God is there. If you are going through hardships, if you are persecuted by others, embrace it. The kingdom's here. Hallelujah. So he was left for dead. Verse 20, the disciples gather. They probably thought that they were going to a funeral. They thought, 
we're going to bury Paul. Way to go, Paul. Gathered around him. And then it says, he rose up. Hallelujah. I wish that they just said a little bit more of what that looked like, you know? A little bit more details. But here's this guy who is left for dead, is now alive. Now, whether or not he got a concussion and a coma and he woke up, or he was literally dead and there's a resurrection, either way, this is a miracle. This is a demonstration and a power miracle that happened. And then it says, on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Everybody circle the word the next day. The next day, Paul gets up. He was just stoned. He was just left for dead. The very next day, he goes on to Derby. Now, if I'm Paul, I want a day off. I want a massage, right? I, I, I want uh, a vacation. I want a sabbatical. Like, I deserve it. The next day. Everybody say, the next day. Next say it again. The next day. No matter what your hardships are today, there's the next day. Amen. The next day is in front of you. Paul went on, and he goes to Derby. And if I'm Paul, I'm going to Derby, and I'm not doing the same thing that just got me stoned. But Paul goes on to Derby, and it says, when they had preached the gospel in that city, they had many disciples. So he's again preaching. He's telling, and this time again, we don't know how many disciples he's making, but there's lots of them, uh, thousands of disciples. And he's there in Derby, and then, and he's making disciples by preaching. And then it says these words, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So here's Paul, he was stoned and left for dead in Lystra. He goes to Derby the very next day and God says, go back to Lystra. Go back to Iconium. Go back to Antioch. And Paul's thinking, what? Uh, God, they killed, they, they literally killed me in Lystra. They tried to kill me in Iconium and they tried to kill me in Antioch. And I'm thinking, uh, I think God, you want me to stay here in Derby because they like me here. I made a lot of disciples here in Derby. Uh, or I'm thinking, maybe you want me to go back to Antioch because they like me there too. No, it says that they went back to Lystra, to Iconium and to Antioch. This is why it's so important to dust off your feet. Yes, they persecuted you in the past. Yes, they, they stoned you, but you gotta dust it off. Forget what is behind, press on towards what is ahead. We can't let past wounds interpret our present or future circumstances. You can't allow it to do it, it's so easy. Oh, but I was stoned there. I'm not going to go back there. And that's what interprets your present. Or, oh, that neighbor, he rejected me. Or that person wounded me. 
And so it interprets your present realities. If you dust your feet off, you get healed from your woundings, then God can say, go back to Lystra and you go. Go back to Iconium and you go. Go back to Antioch and you go. And so he does in verse 22, he does three things. He strengthens the disciples. We all need that. He encourages them. We all need that. And then this word saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Tribulation is not a sign that you're not in God's will. It is a sign that you actually are in God's will. Expect it. Know that tribulations will come. And that's what Paul and Barnabas are saying. Hey, there is going to be hardships. They may even stone you, but don't worry. Keep preaching. Keep telling people. Keep demonstrating the gospel. And it says that they appointed elders in every church. It doesn't describe how big the churches were. There were many churches in each of these cities. Some are big, some are small. There's no perfect size. God uses different sized churches. He's, he's, he's encouraging every church with prayer and fasting. They select leaders and they do that. Then they go back to Poseidon and Pamphylia. Uh, Pamphylia. And then verse 25, they again speak the word in Perga. And then verse 26, they sail back to Antioch and then circle the last three words in verse 26, they had fulfilled. Hallelujah. The first missionary journey is complete. Paul and Barnabas went out. They saw signs, wonders. They preached. They had hardships. He thought it was all over. He was stoned. But the very next day, he continues on. And then he's called. He could have gone back to Iconium, or he could have gone back to Antioch, from Derby, or he could have stayed in Derby, but he would not have fulfilled what God had for him if he would have stayed there. So then he goes back to each of those places and he encourages them, he strengthens them, he builds a church in each of those places and he gets back to Antioch. And then I love what it says. It says that they gathered the church together and then these words, they declared all that God had done. Circular word, God had done. You see, they didn't want them to worship the created. They wanted to worship the creator. If I'm Paul, I just, I, I must like take off my shirt and just show him a few of the scars. You see that? Yeah, I suffered that. Or... Yeah, I, I could have chickened out in Derby, but I went back. And I would have just wanted a little bit of the praise. Yeah. Oh no, not to us, O oh Lord, but to you be the glory. All that God had done, apart from me, I can do nothing. And Paul and Barnabas realized that, so they declared all that God had done. Hallelujah. Church, I pray that God would activate in us in loose proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. I got a picture of God just taking like duct tape off of our mouths and opening up our mouths. Later today, we've got a neighborhood gathering uh, at our neighborhood. It's going to be cookout. I'm in charge of games. I love games. I've volunteered for that. 
and we're doing Olympic games. You know, the Olympics was this summer. And so I've got, I got 20 things. Emily's like, I think you got enough games. Uh, long jump, relay, 100 meter dash. We're going to do a javelin. We're going to do shot put, uh, archery with little Nerf arrows. We're going to do it all. But God told me today, you can go to that party, make people laugh, have a good time. But God said, open up your mouth. Please. And I know it's not easy. I'm not even thinking about like, how am I going to do that? Are they going to look funny at me? Are they going to think this, think that? We got to tell people about the best thing ever. That Jesus alone can save. And that apart from Jesus, there is eternal death. I have to. I got more than just leading games. I want to tell somebody tonight. One, two, ten, I don't know. And no matter what their reaction is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach. And so I pray that God would loose our tongues and our actions, that God would activate healings and miracles. And for you, you may say, I'm not a Paul. I can't speak. God reminded me this morning of Moses. When Moses said, I can't speak. And God said, give me your staff. And he, he let down the staff and God did a miracle. And then he said, pick it back up again. I just hear the Lord saying, give me what you have. I'm not asking for anything special. I'm not asking for you to be me or to be Paul or Barnabas. God made you the way that you are. You're gifted in ways that are unlike anybody else's giftings. God just says, give me what you have. Release it to him, and he does the work. Remember what Paul said, what God had done. It's not us that do anything. It wasn't Paul's persuasive, awesome words. It was God's words that God used Paul for. So God will use you and he will activate it. Worship team, if you can come and let's all stand together and pray. I just want to pray for you and pray for our church that God would activate in us a boldness, a perseverance to preach and to demonstrate the truth in the gospel. Lord Jesus, would your gospel come on us? Would, they, would we preach the gospel of the kingdom? Lord, loose our tongues to tell people about Jesus. Would you activate signs, wonders, healings, more miracles? Lord, tonight as I gather with my neighbors, Lord, if there's somebody who's sick, even crippled, Lord, would you do a miracle at that gathering? Lord, as I gather, would I also preach and tell? And Lord, activate each of us. Activate us in our neighborhoods, Lord. Activate us in the grocery stores, at work, wherever we are. Lord, would we see your kingdom come? Thank you, Jesus, for the good news that we have received. And we pray, Jesus, that you would activate it in us. And Lord, whatever trials we are facing, there's the next day. Lord, I just believe that there is hope for each of us beyond whatever trials we are facing right now. 
And may we persevere. May we keep going. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.